What's up, crypto family? So today we got Jeff Zelensky on. He is a Neo Core developer. He's been programming for the past like 15 years, got into blockchain around 2014. He left Amazon and joined Neo and the Affiliate teams. He explains to us the differences in finality between Ethereum as well as Neo. We talk about his newest ventures, including going back to Amazon. We even talk about the Bible. So get prepared, peeps. I take you to church a little bit. So just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is a co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. And one last thing before we get into this, please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the fam. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's get into this. What is going on, Crypto Family? So today we got Jeff Selinski with us. He's a Neocore developer. He's going to tell us all about the stuff that he's been up to. Really looking forward to hearing his take on Neo and, and all kinds of things that he's doing. So before we do that, though, it's always great to just kind of get to know the people behind the team a little bit. And so if you could, man, just kind of tell us, you know, where you're from, how you got your start in tech, how you've been coding, what you do for fun, all the, all the superficial light stuff before we get into the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> I'm originally from actually Dallas, Texas area. Live out in Southern California now. Got a job out here at Amazon about five years ago and, and actually left it to, to pursue cryptocurrency endeavors. And so that's kind of what, what led me into working with NEO. Uh, I started with a project that was built on top of NEO, Affilian. Worked on building their decks out and so forth. And they ran into some fund issues. So I ended up going full-time for NEO. And Affiliate's still around. They're still operating. They're still working through the funding and, and so forth. But I, I started to work on some of the, the cool features at, uh, for NEO, like DBFT 2.0 and, and some of the memory pool stuff. But without getting into any tech stuff, yeah, like for, for me, what I like to do, I have two kids, I have a family. I like to spend time with my, my daughters and to really just work hard and then also take the time with my family. So pretty much all the time I have is like at the park with my family and stuff like that. Um, I hear you, man. Family, that's what it's all about. It's why we do what we do and why we work so hard, right? So you came from you came from Texas, man. So that that's kind of a big switch, right? Leaving Texas to Southern California. What uh, what part? Yeah, it's like Orange County area. I actually went here and then I actually went to Florida also. Uh, oh, wow. I, I've been writing software for 15 years from pretty much even before I graduated. 15 years since I graduated, basically. And uh, yeah, so that kind of took me all over the place. At the beginning, I actually worked in traffic software, controlling traffic lights, believe it or not. And what, did what's, all the craziest, what's the craziest thing that you saw in traffic lights? You ever seen them all go green, all go red? <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that. Uh, there's a conflict monitor. So, I mean, flashing red is about the worst you get because anything that invalid happens, it, it goes to flashing red. You see those movies where they control the, the, you know, the, the traffic lights so they can let the armored car go through or you know they, they change the lights so they can get away from the cops. None of that stuff. Or, or are you the one that... Uh, <laughs> 
are you on the other side making it happen? Yeah, yeah. Well, I worked on the coordination system, which could adjust timings for buses and stuff like that for like transit signal priority. But you can't really do the kind of things that they sometimes show there very easily because there's minimum times. You can't violate minimum yellows. You can't violate certain other things. So anyway, the good old uh, code is law. So awesome. Yeah. And then, what part of Florida were you at? And what made you leave there? I, I was in the Tampa. Tampa area for like nearly five years. And I left because uh, I got my wife's families from out here. And so moving closer to family and uh, got a job for Amazon at the same time, which was great, really helped me to get into kind of the faster moving areas of tech. I had got to dive deep in a whole bunch of stuff. Here, you kind of get to branch out a bit. So started following crypto back in 2014. And kind of from that, just followed a lot of the projects, the technology side of it. Uh, didn't write too much code at the beginning, just kind of looking at code and, and trying to see what I believed in. And kind of through that process, it ended up leading to some connections that got me into the path that was the cryptocurrency exchange. That's interesting. So in 2014, you're introduced to blockchain. You probably read Satoshi's white paper. You probably pop the hood on Bitcoin. You look at the code. What's the first thing you're thinking of when you're, when you're reading the white paper and checking out the code? Probably just like, the implications on the banking industry in general, just the ability for people to hold their own keys and, and have control of their own assets without a third party. Um, I mean, that was the main thing. The, the code aspect of it, I think, was more of how can this thing scale kind of was what I was kind of interested in and seeing that there wasn't a whole lot of on-chain scaling solutions at the beginning, but then kind of looking into, okay, well, which ones can be built out with layer two and so forth and uh, how will that work? looking into some of the atomic swap stuff and looking into uh, state state channel type stuff early on with tech. That's the kind of stuff I was interested in. Um, but then also like programmability. So I kind of, I got into ETH early on. Unfortunately, I sold mine when it went up too little. <laughs> Most of it anyway. But, uh, but definitely was a big proponent of Ethereum, you know, early on. And, and then NEO being something that takes the finality to the next level. It's like, if you really want to do things in business with blockchain, then you want to have finality. You want to be able to write contracts and and uh, make code that is going to have final states very quickly, right? And so having a single block finality is huge for, I think, businesses that need to be able to write code more quickly that can reason about the state of uh, the state of funds, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear you, you know, kind of explain the difference between finality from Ethereum to NEO because so many people compare the two and they say they're very similar. Obviously, you know, DBFT is a little bit different, but what, what do you define, defi- you know, finality as and what do you see the difference between Ethereum and NEO? For Ethereum right now, right, it's, it's still using proof of work generally. I think they're, they're putting in some proof of stake aspect, but even with the proof of stake that it's building, I, although I think they are planning to, to build something it has to do with like slasher and using uh, using like BFT type technology along with it. Uh, it's not there yet, but basically, um, with what Ethereum has today, right? No blocks are final. It's still the longest chain wins right now. So the longest chain wins means that finality is a big question mark. Like, how much finality do you want? Right? Eventually, like you may say, okay, well, six blocks, ten blocks, twenty-four blocks. How many blocks do you need? It just depends how much compute power you believe is out there, right? And how much is currently securing the Ethereum chain. Yeah, definitely like people could double spend if you just go with a block or two. Uh, So with something like NEO, they're using an algorithm where basically there is finality after one block because it uses a BFT algorithm where 
two-thirds of the nodes have to agree to produce the block. And it has protections to ensure that like if someone at this block height says, okay, this is the block that I'm proposing, they can't like commit to that block and then commit to a different block at the same height and cause a fork. The protocol will basically stop. It'll it'll halt before it, it forks. The only, the only thing you have to be sure about in that case is that there's not more than a third of the nodes that are like Byzantine. So with NEO, the way they solve that is people could vote for their NEO on the nodes and all the nodes that are basically going to be eligible to vote, vote for are going to be like these known entities, like major companies and stuff. You can be sure that these major companies, uh, if you're voting for different ones, right, they're not going to collude uh, to try to censor transactions and they'd want the chain to keep going. So it's, it's a different way to solve the problem where you have finality. People can still run things that are completely like trustless that they're running. It's just that the, the nodes themselves, there's some kind of trust because it's the NEO holders that will be able to vote on these nodes. Now, right now, most of them, five are run by the NEO Foundation uh, and two are not. But in the future, there'll be 10 and then there'll be 13. And it'll be like they keep adding, um, you know, three at a time. That'll eventually mean that you're going to have more decentralization and you'll be able to still trust that you know, your blockchain is going to be solid and have this finality. Yeah, no, great points. That's one of the big arguments people have against NEO is they just say it's, yeah. you know, it's centralized. Of course, you're going to have finality. NEO controls all the nodes. <laughs> so it's like, that's one of the things that people say. And But again, as you say, you know, eventually they're going to keep uh, bringing on more people to run the nodes so it's outside of, you know, their hand, I guess, so to speak. Right. And the biggest reason why they hadn't done it before was because there was a lot of ops involved in running a node, right? Because you have to restart it if there's problems. There were situations that could, could really uh, cause stalls because of the protocol. And it's like, you can't just easily bring on lots of different companies if it takes some effort to, to maintain these nodes. But that a lot of that effort is gone with DBFT 2.0, which just was launched on the mainnet chain just recently. I mean, with a, a week ago, basically. So if, if you take that into effect, now we're really close. There's still a couple ops things to look through, but you're not going to have block forks anymore. Like it would spork off a single block and that would cause the, the chain to freeze for some hours and stuff like that. That doesn't happen anymore. There is some ops type things that they're still looking into. One was a recent thing where there was like uh, nodes were producing, CN nodes were like creating blocks that only had one transaction, the minor transaction. And there's an ops issue related to that, that that they're working on. But I think that's one of the last things before it really like becomes a lot easier to just add more nodes into the network. And the network now is more solid than it's ever been. That's great. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand, you know, how difficult blockchain is, not only for people just to wrap their minds around it and how it works, but for people to actually develop it, do it, and then produce something that's safe, secure, and reliable. So there's a lot that goes into it for sure. And so we're, we're all definitely, you know, waiting for the next best thing that's going to be awesome and fill all of our needs and make it easy to use. So what, what do you find in blockchain or in crypto, you know, that uh, excites you the most, especially now you've seen a lot, you've been programming since you're a little kid, you've seen a ton of different things, you worked on a lot of different projects. What excites you the most for the future of blockchain? There's like kind of two different areas, I think. Like I think from the programmability standpoint and from the standpoint of like uh, business usage and stuff, I really think a lot of what Neo has done uh, excites me the most because I can see where they're going with Neo 3.0. I can see where they're um, building things that make the programmability easier, right? And eventually like bringing a normal a programming language people are familiar with, I think goes a long way to getting... Uh, making it easier for people and business to build on. Uh, I think the other area where I'm interested in in blockchain, that's not really what Neo is doing, but is, is more like around the privacy type tech and stuff like that, because it's difficult to implement that into a programmable blockchain. I mean, there's some stuff that like Enigma is trying to build. I don't you know if you've heard of them, but that's kind of really interesting tech, but it's still quite a, I, I don't know, a ways from being mature, definitely. Then the other aspect is like, you know, Satoshi's original vision kind of 
was not only to have this you know, digital currency, which was supposed to be kind of anonymous, right? And I think building on some anonymity features is, goes along with kind of the ideas that he had with fungibility and stuff like that. But being able to even take it a, a step further and have like the ability to have a marketplace on the blockchain as well to where you could like buy and sell directly from people with crypto. I think that is another aspect of blockchain that's kind of exciting. And there's some projects out there doing that kind of thing. Uh, I think Particle's built on the Bitcoin code base and they've been building for a long time now. I don't know if you've heard of the Particle project, uh, but de- definitely some interesting things could come there if they've got atomic swaps and ability to spend crypto and stuff. I- I'm interested in the in the real use cases and I see businesses using things like NEO because it- it's... It's the blockchain. It's going to have fast finality. It's going to make it easy for programmability. I see people using things like um, decentralized marketplaces and things because it allows them to, to to avoid having to deal with this going back and forth between fiat. You know, those yeah. are the kind of the most exciting areas to me. And and other other people that are building some like identity stuff and and, and things that uh, are real solutions to real problems. Those are interesting. A lot of those can be built on. Uh, I think like programmable blockchains though. And what's like the most important thing that you see, you know, Neo solving like in the next year or two? Oh man. Um, man, there's a bunch of things coming out with Neo 3.0. I, I think it's pretty cool. The solution they have for oracles they're working on um, solutions that they've got for Neo FS, like for putting you know, files and being able to deal with you know, downloading content and stuff like that. There, there's a lot of interesting stuff there for the future that should be around in the next year or two that I expect to be pretty impactful. And uh, there's just some of the, the main features of Neo 3.0 that make it so easy to write smart contracts, whereas before you had to deal with all the UTXO problems, that stuff going away. Uh, I think that's one of the things that hampered usage uh, that Ethereum didn't have that same kind of problem. That and, and some of the ops issues are one of the reasons why it's like why we don't see lots of tokens on Neo instead of, instead of just seeing like so many on Ethereum. And also they've... The other major thing, I think, is the economic model, right? They've changed the way that, that NEO is going to charge for executing contracts, which is going to make it a lot more affordable to deploy contracts and, and to get going on the platform. Yeah, I remember at a point, uh, I want to say it was sometime last year, it was like $15,000 to do a smart contract. It was, yeah. it was, it was pretty freaking expensive. And I look over to Ethereum, it's like a dollar. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> How do you, how are they going to compete with this? They may have a better blockchain, but nobody's going to use it at those prices. So it's great yeah. to see if they're getting it down. Yeah, the only thing they had to go, uh, you know, at least the, the the actual customers that use your products didn't have to pay anything with with Neo, and that was the kind of their claim to fame. Uh, with Neo three there's there still will be effectively very low cost solutions because you generate gas if you have Neo, so you'll be able to make calls for almost for free basically. Um, and so I, I think they've got a good solution going, and, and they've really thought through the economic model. Uh, Eric Sangs was uh, put that together, and I, I think he's really been on top of just building out the features for Neo three. Uh, myself, like I'm part time now for for Neo uh, and doing some things back in industry again. But I expect in the future that that may change sometime in the future again. Again, going back, going back to Neo full time. That's what you're thinking. Well, I don't. I don't have any immediate plans. Definitely, like right now, I'm I'm enjoying uh, some some interesting challenges at Amazon, but uh, but it's still something that I support on the side. And, and as long as it's like, it's an open source project. And, and uh, so I'm able to work on it a little bit on the side. Awesome, man. So being at Amazon, you uh, see Jeff Bezos walking the campus at all? You, you ever see him? <laughs> I, you know, I have never seen him in person all the time that I've been here, but uh, it's, 
the culture is, is, is pretty cool. The leadership principles, principles of Amazon, I don't know if you've ever taken a look at them, but they're, they're really good. Focusing on, you know, being customer obsessed and is being the main thing, but just a lot of different good leadership principles, like you know, having a bias for action, um, you know, invent and simplify, dive deep, deliver results. You know, just all these different things that, um, you know, things like, you know, have backbone, disagree and commit, like be willing to disagree and have a backbone about it. But like, if, if it's not what you're going to do, then you got to commit to do what, what's going to be done because otherwise you're just going to uh, keep fighting and, and, and not, not actually produce anything. Just a lot of great leadership principles that have made, I think, it the, the company what it is. Yeah. Bezos is a, you know, incredible, you know, leader. He's got incredible vision, foresight, all of it. I mean, look at the, uh, the mammoth that he's built. And, uh, and like you said, it's very customer centric. So, you know, anything that you, you do with Amazon, it's, it's gotten, you know, pretty seamless for the most part. You know, it's very customer centric. You go to like different parts of Seattle, they have those Amazon stores where you're going in there and you're using the app and, you know, it's kind of like those Alipay stores. It's pretty incredible, all the stuff that he does there. So I'd imagine, you know, it gives you a, a you know, a great place to learn and to uh, better yourself to then go out and do something even more on your own, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, huge amount of growth as an individual coming in here. Um, the caliber of engineers, it's not easy to get hired at Amazon, but you're going to work with some amazing people. That's yeah, for sure. I bet. I bet. And then, you know, more about you, man. So what's, uh, what's maybe a book that you read, you know, something super important that kind of crafted your life that you think other people should read as well. And then maybe a mentor, somebody you had in life that uh, you looked up to that kind of helped guide you to where you're at now. Well, that's, uh, I'll go with the mentor question. Um, kind of growing up, you know, I had a, I had a mentor, his name was George Arlen. He, he passed away, but you know, he, he really kind of instilled in me to go after what you're interested in and to really dive deep into problems and, and solve them. He was uh, an engineer himself and had built up a company and he's the one who helped me build my first computer when I was young. And then he, he was around for a while in my life and uh, just inspired me that, I could do amazing things if I put some energy and effort into it. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I spend most of my time, re- if it's reading book, it's a technical book. Like lately, it's been a lot of C++ stuff. But uh, if, it's not a techni- if it's not a technical, uh, technical book, it's, it's probably the Bible, actually. So I'd my man. Proverbs <laughs> and uh, just gain a lot of wisdom by, by, by reading through that. Mine too, man, every night. So what's your favorite book in the Bible? You said Psalms. That's your favorite. Um, no, I, I, mean, I probably, I, I really like the book of John actually, but Proverbs is, is a great one that I just keep going over because it's a book of wisdom, right? And it's got wisdom for everybody in there. It's probably what well, is the, the most important book ever written. You had 4,000 years of history. It shows how everything happened, what's still to come. It's pretty incredible. So, and everything that, you know, in, in our modern world is based off of it. You know, from our Ten Commandments, just the way we're supposed to treat each other, you know, our laws, our rules, all of it's based, you know, in biblical, you know, fact. And a lot of people, you know, they, they try to go the opposite way and say the Bible's, you know, it's, it's, it's mythology, it's not real. But, you know, it's, it's fun when you, when you dig into it and you see how the misconceptions start and how one person can just alter a timeline by a couple hundred years and it distorts everybody's vision on what really happened. So if you're off by 200 years, well, the walls of Jericho, what they found isn't really the walls of Jericho, but if it happened 200 years earlier, well, that's Jericho. And then they start seeing everything lines up and everything in the Bible.
Bible that we've all been, you know, that we read as kids and we're told it's all true. So there's a lot of people that disagree with that. But if they look and they just look at the timeline and they see how if they just move it back 200 years, everything lines up pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody on the plane yeah, the other the other day. It's like we have so many religions, you know, in the world, but almost every religion, almost every culture has a hit record of the flood that there's a flood that occurred. Uh, so it's pretty interesting that, like, you know, basically it's it's denied by a lot of modern textbooks, but like almost every culture has a story about it, which, yeah. which is which is pretty interesting. But like even besides that, it's just like I mean, there are there are religions out there that that actually kind of don't believe that there's any right or wrong or anything, but it, it's just like, if you look at all the laws of, of societies, like don't not stealing or, you know, not murdering people. I mean, these, these things are just like from Exodus. <laughs> yeah. It's straight from the 10 commandments. Right. So yeah, I totally agree with you, man. Yeah, it's pretty incredible, man. There's there's something called patterns of evidence, um, Exodus, and patterns of ex, uh, patterns of evidence, Moses. Man, those are two really good documentaries people should watch. Man, it kind of just put everything into perspective for people. It's pretty awesome, especially if you read the Bible and and uh, you know you believe in God and all all that good stuff. So, anyways, and then uh, maybe we'll switch gears a little bit here. So, what do you think is uh, maybe something you can tell us about yourself that other people don't know? Something that's uh, maybe a, a hidden talent, uh, some kind of hobby you got things that uh, not your friends would know or maybe your friends would know but other people wouldn't I'm, I'm a I actually wrote two gospel rap songs believe it or not um, <laughs> yeah I can I'll, I'll give you the chorus to one it goes you know it's not the same when you're working for the king all things are possible for you it's anything got the doubt at your heart the fear fled your mind your thinking's rearranging and you're working overtime and uh, it's got some, got some verses too, but that's the chorus. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So we got a hip hop rapper singer too, man. I love it. So you can develop and sing. That is cool, man. <laughs> so I'm working on building a, a studio in my house. So that, that's something that's interesting about it. Me too. That's awesome, man. We'll put it as one of our theme songs to one of the videos. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> awesome, man. What's something, you know, crazy that you've done? You know, maybe one of the craziest things that you've done that uh, you're like, man, you know, that was that was pretty nutty. Why did I do that? Or maybe it's something just amazing. You're like, I'm so glad I did it. Oh boy. Yeah. Let's see. Um, uh, something crazy. Uh, probably just like, I don't know, going biking on ice <laughs> in the middle of the night, probably when I was a kid, probably something crazy I did. I uh, ended up like sliding down a hill. Didn't get hurt, but that was pretty crazy. Um, I haven't done a whole lot of crazy stuff though. So I'm really like grasping at straws. Uh, I don't know, man. You've, you've moved all <laughs> over the U S you moved all over the U S you left Amazon for, for Neo and then you came back. So that's quite a bit yeah. of crazy. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. That is pretty crazy. Leaving, you know, leaving a stable, uh, big company to do something, uh, that's startup like that. Definitely learned a lot and, and had a lot of opportunities from it. So no regrets. Although I, I guess it might be pretty crazy working like 13 and 14 hour days uh, for like five days a week or more. Sometimes I, I was working a lot at certain points in time. That's for sure. It wasn't yeah. fully sustainable. Yeah. Nothing, nothing wrong with, you know, some hard work, man. So we do it for the family, but right on. Yeah. Man. Well, I know it's uh, it's late there for you. So we'll, uh, we'll get you on your way. It was great to meet you, hear your story, hear about all the cool stuff that you've done, that you're doing. Make sure you keep us up to date, man. Let us know what's next, you know, for you and uh, God bless, man. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, man. God bless you. Take care. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Big thanks to Jeff. Appreciate you coming on, buddy. Tell us about yourself, all the stuff that you've done, all the stuff that you're doing, and, you know, what you're excited about in blockchain. So 
Just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is the co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. Please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. So, appreciate you. Love you. God bless you. Catch you on the next one.